0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
1: Excited about the most. I'm excited with this new role that I have at my current employer. I always tell people I started as an agent and now I'm in an operations position. So I'm really excited to have that journey this year. I'm also going to get back to my designs this year in a smaller scale. I realized that I used to say I never want to be a struggling artist because I've always been employed. I've been working since I was 16. I've always, you know, made my own money. So I like that security part. And I think sometimes we glamorize the struggle in artists. And it doesn't always have to be like that. You know, maybe it takes you working at a regular job and doing your passion on the side to get to where you want to be so i always want to recognize that that that's okay to do you don't have to go into this struggle life where you have to quit your job is it's okay to have both and it's also okay to maybe realize that you did have a passion before and now you're securing your job and you actually love it better you know i think sometimes we have the stigma of like oh if you're not an entrepreneur you're not really fulfilling your dream and some people like corporate jobs
0: how you day? How you day? That was the voice of Julisa. Now, today's episode is about the ability for you to have your night of five and then still pursue your dreams and also just reflect on a moment or moments in your life where you thought you were going to go a particular way. You found yourself navigating towards another place that life had plans for you. A lot of what life today is, is understanding the limitlessness that you have. You might live in a system that thinks you're limited. And so what I want you to gather from today's episode, and please share this with your kids, especially the ones in their becoming stages, actually, we're all in our becoming stage. But you know, the kids transitioning from teenagehood to adulthood, who are always wondering if the first career they're going to have is going to be the ultimate career they're going to have, I would just encourage you to share this episode with them so they can see that Multiple possibilities exist if you listen to the environments around you and to yourself. Both of these things are compasses for you. So enjoy today's episode and give Julisa a follow. Welcome everyone to another episode of As Told by Nomads. And today's guest is Julisa Arrington. Now, Julisa is a fashion designer, born in Oakland, California, raised in Houston, Texas, and she went back to San Francisco to get her fine arts degree and her designs are inspired by architecture, structural lines, and unconventional materials and fabrics. I have a feeling that this is going to be a very, very creative conversation because she's not only a dynamic lady, she's also afro Colombian and an Afro-Latina in
1: tech. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> That was an awesome introduction. I'm like, wow. <laughs> I, you know, I like to do my
0: research. I like to do my research. It, it is who you are, right? And so the reason I wanted to have you on is because I wanted to talk about that intersection between creativity and identity. And you describe yourself on your Instagram, different social media profile as a, an Afro-Latina in tech and also an Afro-Columbian. Why are those two things important for you to highlight?
1: It is important for me to highlight them because I feel that people usually, when you say Latina, they automatically think Shakira, JLo, lo basically all the lighter skinned women, which is awesome. My family itself is mixed. You know, I have aunts that look like them, uncles that look like them, and then there's people that look more Afro. So it's a spectrum in the Latin community. But I want to make sure they know that this is a person that is Latin, but also has Afro roots, which most Latin countries do, whether people want to deny, deny it or not. <laughs> <It's> true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, true. Um, so I want to represent the Afro-Latina because you don't really get represented, especially in tech, especially in fashion design. It's either you're Black or you're Latin, but that Afro-Latina is a... I feel like it's um, identity that you don't really hear a lot of. It's been seen more in uh, movies and shows, but overall, you don't really see that a lot. And I feel like people have a still have a hard time understanding what that even is.
0: I agree, and I live in New York, so there are several parts. Right, we've got the Dominican part. I used to live in a Dominican heavy part, and people used to think I was Dominican because I was there. I used to go to the barbershops and they say, "Are you Dominican?" I was like, "Oh, I'm." Sorry, Niriano, (laughs) but I can look like one. But even with that conversation, that was an entrance to the conversation. We dove into the colorism that exists, you know, the favorite, which happens in Nigeria as well. But in a lot of the communities that you describe, whether it's Colombia, Brazil, Cuba, Dominican Republic, there's been a lot of, I guess, history tied to that. And it it then reminded me of a a date I went on years ago with uh, someone that was Dominican. And she looked at me and said that I'm the limit. Her grandmother said that if she had a kid with anyone darker than me, that the kid would be ugly.
1: Yeah. So they have a term called mejorar la raza, which is making the race better. And some older generation grandfathers, grandmothers, they did look at it like, oh, don't date someone that's too dark because you're not making the race better. You're making it worse. So, yeah, it's all ignorant. You know what you know, right? They grew up in a time where being lighter, being wider was better. So for them, intermixing yourself with someone that's lighter, it equated to a better life in general. So it's like you can't really blame them for their thoughts because that's how they grew up. But we certainly can definitely make it better uh, with our new generations. Yeah.
0: And here you are. you are being unapologetic about who you are. You're changing the representation. And you are also in industries that, let's be honest, we don't often see enough Afro-Latinas in so that's tech and and that's you know the fashion industry. What was it about those two industries that appealed to you?
1: For fashion it's funny because my mom tells me that I when I was little I always experimented with just creating in general. She said I used to like creating I played with my dolls a lot like a lot of little girls but I literally cut up clothes cut up hair like I liked creating since I was little. I didn't know if I wanted to be a fashion designer. It wasn't until high school when I was trying to decide what direction to go where my algebra teacher actually suggested I go into design at a junior college to just try to figure out. She's like, I think you have a knack for design. I'm not sure which direction, but I think since you like dressing and you like drawing, you should probably look into that. So I went into junior college fashion design and I ended up loving it. But yeah, it was definitely not something that I've been wanting to do since I was little. I feel like that's sometimes a narrative that people like to hear. And you know, some designers might say, even though it's not true, just to create this wonderful story. And it's like, no, I I didn't want to design when I was little. I liked designing. I almost went into architecture actually, because I just like design in general. Yeah, your designs are influenced by architecture, right? Yeah, so that's what pushed me. It's actually not even my school counselor, it was my teacher. And we just were really close. And, you know, that's how I got there.
0: Now, in, in today's world, obviously, we're living in a pandemic era. What has it been like for you to feed those creative aspects of, you know, what you do right now? Because, you know, whether it's fashion, whether it's design, a lot of it now is maybe not as in person as it used to be. So, how do you get that fed?
1: Get that fed. Well, to be honest with you, in 2019, that was the last time that I sold something. And then from there, I've been trying to just sketch, design. I got a couple promotions at my daytime job. So it's been really hard to get back to design, especially I was sewing everything myself. So you're doing it yourself? Yes. So I would go to work nine to five, then come home and sew any orders that were pending. And when I had my site, I always got orders and I would promise three days max to fulfill the order. And then I would do overnight delivery if I was shipping it out or the next day. So I had really high (laughs) standards for my delivery times. So that meant that I had to stay up late sewing. So now I'm trying to find a balance to get back on where maybe I don't release a lot of designs at once. Maybe I start with a couple of items. I've been researching manufacturers in Houston to have that balance because I know that realistically I'm not going to be able to sew everything as I used to. So I, I do want to seek out help for that. And it's something that I learned that I can't do at all. I think sometimes entrepreneurs want to do it all because we have to, maybe budget reasons. But I realize sometimes that actually hurts you more by doing everything yourself.
0: Fair enough. Well, you mentioned it there, tech. You've spent uh, the bulk of the last couple of years in tech now based on your experience, what do you feel like is needed for, I guess, tech to understand about DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion? Because, I mean, we've seen a lot of faux pas. We've seen what happened since the murder of George Floyd, but I feel like you are uniquely positioned to answer this question based on your experiences.
1: Ask it again. Maybe I didn't quite understand it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What do you feel like tech can do to be more inclusive?
1: I feel like more inclusive would be setting themselves in spaces where there is diversity, For instance, when they're looking for interns, what schools are you going to seek out interns? Are they predominantly white? Are they predominantly black? So just being in spaces where there is diversity and also looking at higher ups, what do they look like? Because I have to admit for my current job, there is diversity up to a certain level. And after a certain level, you see the typical Caucasian, heavily male-dominated so I think it's just getting diversity in higher places.
0: Getting diverse in higher places. So making sure it's not just the the entry level, but also having it go up the ladder.
1: And I'm not saying hire someone, hire a minority just because they're a minority, because I do believe in hiring talent, especially in tech. But you also have to place yourself in positions to hire and allow those people to know who you are.
0: And create the pipeline, like you're saying. There's a method to all these that I'm asking the questions because obviously you're someone that at some point realized that she had a passion for fine art, decided to launch your own fashion industry, but then you also found tech along the way. And you this fits into what you're saying, where you say, for you, it's not like something you've always known. You go with where your heart is leading you, and then you develop it. you You build that skill set. The reason I'm asking the question this way is there's so many people right now who feel like they have to have the answers in terms of passion, job, career. You know, there's the great resignation, for example. And when you think about women in general, Black women, Latina women, there's an expectation. Whether it's real or imagined, it's still there. And it's so unfair oftentimes, because if you get to a certain age and you don't check that point, you don't have a job that is supposed to give you a certain income, there's this idea that you're a failure. So what would you say to that person right now who is thinking about the fact that they don't have job that they want. They don't have the income that they want and they feel like they're not fulfilling their passion.
1: Ooh, that's a tough one. (laughs) You know, it's funny because when I got into tech, my first taste of tech was when I was in San Francisco. I worked at Louis Vuitton before for nine years in San Francisco. And I'm saying this because the way I've navigated my career has not been a plan per se. I went to San Francisco to go to school and I was supposed to be there for two, three years tops and move to New York or move back to Houston. I ended up getting a job in Louis Vuitton because of my past experience in Houston working in boutique hotels, customer experience. So they hired me. Then I ended up liking it and loving the experience of working for you know LVMH. It's such a recognized company. And I then stayed working there for The experience while I was attending school. Then, from there, when Louis Vuitton closed, they moved to Dallas. I ended up getting a job at. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Instacart, my first tech job. And I just got that job because I was like, you know what? I'm about to move to Houston. Let me just do a temp job and see what it's about. I was like, oh, I like tech. So then when I moved back to Houston, because I wanted to start designing and opening my own business, I felt like let's move back home is less expensive. We all know the barrier is expensive. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> so then I started looking and I was like, what customer jobs can I get? And I saw my current job and it was just being a regular agent. And I was like, okay, I have past experience. I can do that. Now I'm a CX operations manager. So I say all that to say that sometimes when we try to have a strict plan and it doesn't go to that plan, that's when we start getting frustrated. I feel like we should have a vision of what we want to work towards, but just know that be like water a bit and uh, also try to adjust to what's going on in the times because where I'm at right now is not what I envisioned for my life. I didn't envision working at a tech company for four years and now being an operations manager. I just was always a hard worker at whatever I did. And I think that's what got me here because I was dedicated to whatever job I had. And I feel like when you're dedicated for in whatever job you have, whether it be whatever industry, if you do your best at where you at and you really take it with pride, it will lead you to other places that you couldn't imagine. But I feel like it takes you taking pride in your job in whatever it is and moving forward.
0: I love that to be said. And the reason I'm really excited to hear you say that is because I've been interviewing a few people who who have full-time jobs, but also building things on the side. And I'll get emails from listeners who are in the same spot and they wonder if they should, and they even feel guilt for it. And hearing you talk about just how you're okay with letting something go and starting something up or pausing something, honoring yourself, and then realizing it's still in the backdrop, I, I think it's, it's inspirational because there's nothing about time that says it's fixed unless we decide that it is. It's an interesting thing. One of my favorite things about doing research on you was you had talked, I believe it was the Voyage Houston, you had talked about how you were hair into hair and just styling into dancing. Playing musical instruments, drawing, singing. And I was, I was reading this, I was like, oh, it makes sense. Because in your profiles, all those things come out, whether it's a song you share or whether it's an opinion you have. And then you talked about wanting to get into modeling and then realizing that the industry was telling you to be less yourself. And you decided to let that go. And that juxtaposition of you having these multiple passions that include this idea of expressing yourself, whether it's doing hair or whether it's singing, and then an industry modeling and telling you that you have to look a certain way and you saying, well, I'm going to do it on my own terms. It's so funny hearing you say this now, because it, that's the thing that I can see the theme that's running through all your careers. It's you're always doing things on your own term, despite what the world is telling you.
1: Yeah. And I think that I'm so fortunate to be free spirited. And I think that my parents have always allowed me to have that free. I mean, My mom was a little worried when I told her I was going to go into fashion design because she was like, what are you like drawing or sketching? (laughs) You know, international parents never want to. That's how we, that's how they are. So it's it's that international parent in them that's like, why don't you have something safer? Stable, right? (laughs) Stable, safer. And as an adult now, I can totally understand where they're coming from but it allowed me to really be free. I've always been artistic. I mean, like you said, I danced, I played instruments. And with all that, I feel like it's allowed me to evolve. There was a stage when I was in San Francisco where I think the anxiety kind of caught up to me. Like, I was like, is this what I really want to do? So there was a time where I did take off like two years of school to focus on my mental health because I got to a point where I was like, is this right for me? Were my parents right? Should I be pursuing something else? And you have that a bit of a security when you're not in a good spot. I never want anybody to think that I had a glamorous time in San Francisco and in art school, especially in art school, because that's harder. (laughs) So I did take time for myself and I had to learn that. I always say that San Francisco and the Bay Area really taught me how to take care of myself and really look inside and really pay attention to my mental health. And I think that it really taught me to get out of Houston, my comfort zone, and go to a different area to realize that.
0: What are some of the scoping mechanisms that you use?
1: Therapy, definitely therapy. I didn't realize what therapy really was until I moved out there. I think the Bay Area has a good welcoming attitude when it comes to mental health versus More conservative states like Texas. Therapy, I even consulted with my directors at school. We used to meet once a week towards the end when I was about to graduate to make sure I was okay. Meeting with them and going to therapy actually got me to New York Fashion Week. So I always say that really focusing on my mental health, my collection was actually called Suffocation because at the time I was. Going through changes, and I decided to dedicate my thesis collection to what I was going through. And I always say, mental health and therapy got me to New York Fashion Week. So yeah,
0: (laughs) that's a beautiful thing to hear. We're talking about mental health. We're talking about therapy. We're in a time right now where, I mean, you brought it up earlier. You're in a conservative state. Texas is in the news a lot these days. And you're a woman. You express yourself how you want to, and a lot of people. Might not like how you express yourself in terms of being your feminine self. What do you think women can do right now in a time where, you know, Roe v. Wade gets overturned or people are questioning what a woman should be like or trying to limit what a woman should be like or rather? How do you feel like other women can still embrace their individuality in a time like today?
1: I would say from my experience, I'm glad to be working at a place that is definitely paying attention to these times and trying their best to really accommodate employees during this time. So I think being in a healthy workplace is important. If you're not in a healthy workplace, surrounding yourself with people who can really help you, you know, on my Instagram, I have links to abortion sites, online abortion. Like I try to do anything I can on my platform to educate others on what else they can do. So I think it's important to really surround yourselves with people that can help you and also everyone using their own platform to help out any way they can.
0: To your point, by the way, it starts with your environment, right? If it's your family, your workplace and all those things. And I think even being unapologetic the way you are, I think it's important to to remind people this idea of policing women's bodies is, uh, I mean, I wish I could say it, that this made sense, but it doesn't make sense to me. But it's something I know that happens all the time. And it's an unfortunate existence when it gets empowered by people in power. And so I know that looking at your profile, sometimes I'm always like, I'm sure there's a woman looking at her right now who's actually feeling more empowered to be herself just because you showed up.
1: Oh, thank you. And I think that it's also important to note that it's okay to feel the pain, feel the frustrations. Let it out. It's normal. And I think that it is scary to, like you said, be an unapologetic. Maybe if you're currently at an employer that does not feel the same way, or if you got family members or your spouse that might feel different, I think you might feel a little bit unsure of how unapologetic can I really be. So I do also understand that side that for some people it's not that easy because of the conditions there are currently, which is sad. All I can say is that for the women that are able to be in my position to help out women that who can't, however they can.
0: I love it. I love it. In terms of what's next for you, what are you excited about the most?
1: Excited about the most? I'm excited with this new role that I have at my current employer. I always tell people I started as an agent and now I'm in an operations position. So I'm really excited to have that journey this year. I'm also going to get back to my designs this year in a smaller scale. I realized that I used to say I never want to be a struggling artist because I've always been employed. I've been working since I was 16. I've always you know, made my own money. So I like that security part. And I think sometimes we glamorize the struggle in artists. And it doesn't always have to be like that. You know, maybe it takes you working at a regular job and doing your passion on the side to get to where you want to be. So I always want to recognize that that that's okay to do. You don't have to go into this struggle life where you have to quit your job. It's, it's okay to have both. And it's also okay to maybe realize that you did have a passion before and now you're securing your job and you actually love it better. You know, I think sometimes we have the stigma of like, oh, if you're not an entrepreneur, you're not really fulfilling your dream. And some people like corporate jobs.
0: It's true. And you know, there's some shame in sometimes from entrepreneurs that, oh, you have a regular job. And then on the other side of like, whoa what are you going to do to sustain yourself? That sounds like uh, an irresponsible thing. And so creating that safe space for people to express themselves is, is I think where we need to be at. I mean, I think the, the whole point of the, the conversation we've been having today is finding out what it means to express yourself, whether it's in your place of work, whether it's in your private space or whether it's amongst your, your loved ones. And then, how to constantly find places that edify those parts of yourself. Here's to hoping. Yeah, definitely.
1: So yeah, I'm excited for everything. I had my first gig of recording for my sister works for a sports team. So I did like a video for their event. Literally, I just jump into things and I'm like, so I do things for myself and then people notice and they're like, Hey, can you do this for me? So I never like try to do something. It's just like, I'm authentic. And if people notice that and they want a piece of that, then cool. So I had my first gig doing a video editing and I was like, okay, that was cool, but I still have my job and I still want to do my fashion. So I just let it all in. <laughs>
0: you let it all in. Okay. So if someone is out here saying, hey, I just want to be able to follow up with her and make sure that I'm keeping up with all their do it all self, where can they reach you?
1: They can reach me at my, I think Instagram would be the best way because there I have my email and all my other links to my other, you know, my fashion and my video stuff.
0: I'll make sure I put that in the show notes. Now, Teresa, everyone that comes to the show gets to answer one question. And that is my mission statement. My mission statement is use your difference to make a difference. So how do you use your difference to make a difference?
1: How do I use my difference to make a difference? Oh, how do I answer that? <laughs> <laughs> However you feel, there's no wrong answer. <laughs> I guess I would say being myself, trying to be myself 100% of the time is how I make a difference.
0: There you go. There you go. Please make sure to follow Denisa. and again, reason I'm doing these series of interviews is when you listen to these interviews, you have probably have heard a few of them by now. I want to be able to showcase what it is for you to be able to do multiple things. You don't have to be limited. I believe everyone is limitless and you can have a job. You can try something out and then you can, you know, work through the failures and then try again. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think Julie exemplifies that.
1: Yeah. I think the only thing you can fail at is not pursuing it. You know, if you don't pursue it, then you fail automatically because you never pursued it.
0: Bars. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Javisa. This has been fun. Thank you. Pleasure's (laughs) mine. Kings, queens, and royalty. Till next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com.